This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Jim Kawakami, the editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area. Jim Kawakami. Tim Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades and more specifically the Golden State Warriors over the last 12 years. This is the TK Show. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami, as always, recording from the home studio, it's the TK Show. Uh, very glad to have on as my guest has been on many times uh, in the middle of a, I guess we say busy offseason, action-packed offseason, about to be whatever offseason. It's the San Francisco Giants, president of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi. Farhan, how are you doing today? Hey, doing well, thanks, Tim. Yeah, how do we uh, characterize this offseason for you so far? I know there's so much attention on it. Uh, it can get under the microscope uh, and, you know, you either get somebody or you don't get somebody and you move on to the next thing. Where, where are you in your mind about how this offseason has gone for the Giants so far? Yeah, I, I think kind of looking at where we are, the calendar kind of turns to January. Um, you know, going into the offseason, we had, you know, three really high high level targets in in Junguli and um, Otani and Yamamoto, all guys that we pursued, all guys that we expected to have markets that moved relatively quickly the two guys who were posted obviously just by virtue of the rules there and with otani figured that one uh, with uh all the implications and and the domino effect would would move quicker so you know i've uh really got had a lot of ownership for, uh support in those pursuits and uh you know now we're kind of at a point where we're past those we're really happy to have uh, secured lee um made a great impression already and um you know now we've uh, got to figure out the roadmap for the rest of the offseason there's still plenty of guys out there and um you know i don't know if now's the time we want to delve into it but but i think you know this offseason um you know is almost uh hearkening back to the time when off seasons were pretty slow a few years ago before things picked up the last couple of years and um, it has sparked the conversation again about whether it makes sense to have, you know, more timelines on free agency, say a deadline for multi-year contracts, you know, as a way to spur activity, because I don't think it's good for anybody, for teams, for fans, for players, um, when things drag into the new year and potentially even close to spring training. Yeah, I mean, Yamamoto was a, while, a little while ago, more than a week ago. And did you expect things to kind of quicken up after that? And, and has it been a slower than you thought after the big, those big three, let's say, at least the big two yeah. uh, end up getting done? Yeah, I think so. There, there's a, I, I think all organizations are kind of um, 
taking a breath, trying to evaluate what they have internally, trying to evaluate their sort of younger options versus what might be available in free agency. Some trade conversations are, are picking up, including for us. And again, I think that's um, at a point where some things are on the board. But uh, even from a trade standpoint, it's difficult when there's so many free agents still out there. Um, I think people view themselves as having multiple options and it makes it a little bit harder to pin things down on a trade front. But I do think the next couple of weeks, um, you know, we should see a lot more activity as we kind of come out of the holidays and um, the industry as a whole still has a lot of work to do. I know GMs hate to be pinned down on anything kind of general like this, but does it feel like the trade aspect might be where you lean in stronger now after those three signings, you getting uh, Lee, obviously, and, and Otani and Yamamoto going at the top of the market? There's been others on kind of top of the market, NOLA, maybe some other top of the market deals, but do you feel like trades might be the place to go now? Yeah, we're definitely evaluating uh, that avenue. You know, we've talked about, you know, wanting to add shortstop depth. Um, you know, we're really excited about Luciano and, and hope he takes that job and runs with it. But bringing in somebody else, maybe with some multi-positional flexibility, maybe, um, you know, somebody who has options where we can have those guys in competition and, and one of them can just continue to get at bats in AAA. Um, that's something we're looking at. And we're also looking at the starting pitching market. And in both of those areas, I think there's a lot that um, can come about by trade as well. So um, I think even by virtue of our needs, um, it makes sense to pursue both avenues. We'll talk a little bit again. One of your favorite, favorite topics is uh, not getting the, the top for agents. You, you <laughs> were in there on Yamamoto. I know you're in there on, on Otani. Uh, but this has been a common thing. Not, I know. I always say you got Correa last year, and and obviously that deal couldn't happen uh, at the end of the road. But uh, you guys did talk about it. Like you want to be at the top. You discussed it openly. You want to be involved at the top. You are involved at the top. You you just haven't gotten one of them. Uh, there is a public relations aspect to this, Farhan. Is it? I mean, do you understand the the, the criticisms, or do you understand the disappointment? fans feel when time and again these top guys do not land with the Giants and do you have to and get one at some point not just for baseball and I know you don't want to just have to think about but just for filling the stands for getting excitement you know for for creating something that not just the team feels but outside the team feels about what's going on here yeah absolutely and again uh, I guess I, I don't want to get into a debate on on whether you know uh, um, you know, Lee meets that threshold or not, yeah, but, yeah. um, you know, as the guy who was a nine figure investment for us as guy who I think is going to be a really exciting player that our fans are going to be excited about. That was certainly part of our interest in him is knowing that he would be a guy to connect with fans, both on and off the field. And it's just a really good player. Um, you know, I, I, it, I appreciate, you know, that as we've kind of gone after, this tier of players, we've had pretty consistent ownership support. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about the rarefied air of, you know, guys like Judge and Otani and, and Bryce Harper, I mean, these are, you know, top five, top 10 players in, in all baseball. And they have a lot of options. And, um, you know, again, I, I, I per, personally and professionally, I would say I really, you know, and to the extent that I've been a part of this, um, you know, I take responsibility for it. Like none of it should be interpreted or viewed as an indictment of the Bay Area. Like this is 
Um, you know, as somebody who's an immigrant to this country, this is where I've made my home. I moved away and moved back twice. I love this area, our fans, our organization. I mean, everybody knows it's a great place to live. That doesn't mean every free agent we pursue is ultimately going to choose us. I mean, they're looking at a bunch of different reasons. Um, but um, it's not going to stop us from making those pursuits. I think we have a really good reputation in the game as a, as a great place to play. When you talk to our players in the organization, they love being Giants, and I think that's really important. We take care of our players. I think that's known throughout the industry. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I, I think we have to have this sort of multi-pronged approach where we're not just continuing to pursue star players in free agency, um, but, you know, developing a team through our farm system, developing internally in a way that we have a sustainably competitive team, because that's a big, um, you know, uh, uh Thing that free agents look at they want to go to a team that's a consistent winner so um we've got to do all of it and and you know we're not going to shy away from that part of the market um we understand we're not going to land every player but i guess i would sort of bring this back to this idea of having a more constrained um free agency period is i think some of the dialogue is almost unhealthy when these things take a really long time or you don't get a player and the next player not, might not sign for another month, you know, as opposed to, you know, if you had a three week, four week period where all major league free agents signed, um, you know, you don't get a guy, you get over it, you move on to the next guy and it all happens a lot quicker. And, um, you know, I think some of the, you know, we're working hard. I know the 29 other teams in baseball are really working hard, but it just, often doesn't manifest itself in transactions, you know, when there's no deadline, when there's no sense of urgency, um, you know, on the part of whether it's agents or, or players or, or even teams. And um, I think that, that that perceived inactivity is just bad for the industry as a whole. Uh, knowing that players are probably never go for that, I would imagine, but I totally understand what you're saying with the NBA. Yeah, and the I NFL mean, I, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I, 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 I know that that topic was discussed a little bit in the last round of negotiations. Um, you know, and I've kind of brought it up informally with agents that I talked to and um, there's not a lot of pushback there. I think people recognize, you know, that, um, uh, you know, that there's a benefit to it. I mean, look, again, you look at the, the guys who are posted they sign quickly because there's a deadline and I don't think anybody feels like they're leaving money on the table. You know, I think it's really difficult from an agent standpoint when you're not operating with the deadline, a team gives you an offer and you know, you have a player saying, well, what else is out there? Can we do better? And it's just hard to, you know, really um, be able to bring these free agent processes to a close unless you get totally blown away. And that just doesn't happen that often. Now you mentioned, you know the bay area that maybe there is a perception about the bay area whatever it's been discussed buster brought it up you brought it up i have no problem with it being brought up because yeah again like you mentioned you guys are chosen to live in the bay buster could have been stayed in georgia for the rest of his life and chose to come back here uh, i think these are important stories but have you heard specifically from free agents or on the periphery that all things being given, you know, equal, I just don't want to go to San Francisco. Have, have you actually heard that from players? I have not. And, uh, you know, this is something I've tried to clarify. 
I think, you know, the the challenge in any one free agent pursuit, not across the board, any one free agent pursuit is, you know, if a player, you know, uh, was born on the East Coast and played for an SEC team in college, they're going to want to be on the East Coast, you know, when, um, um, you know, if a player has, you know, a wife whose career is in the Midwest, they're going to want to play in the Midwest. On You know, in any given case, um, you know, you could have geography issues that have nothing to do with and should not be viewed as like a referendum on the Bay Area. You know, these are just hurdles that occasionally, you know, you you run up against. And, uh, you know, and we've had a lot of local guys over the last few years, and it's been a big advantage for us with them. So I have not heard it from players. What I have heard is, hey, I I really want to be on the East Coast. I really want to be in the Midwest. I have family here. And, you know, that becomes a difficult obstacle um, look, frankly, I think agents bring it up, and now that this narrative is out there, they use it for leverage. They say, mm-hmm. "Oh, well, you know, you can't, you know, you may not be able to get players there, you know, but my player will sign there." And I always push back and say, "We have no problem getting players mm-hmm. here. You know, the guys that we have love being here. Look, we spent two hundred million dollars on free agency last off season, so um, you know, uh, we we've had no shortage of deals. Um, you know, again." Any specific player, might they have geographical considerations that make the Bay Area not the first choice? Yeah, that happens. But, you know, as people have pointed out, and I think it's fair, it's, it's our challenge and responsibility. If there's someone we really want to see if there's any way around that. Uh, we all know how irrational free agency gets. You know, your guy, Andrew Friedman, has mentioned it. Others have mentioned it. it can't, you know, the spending can get out of control. Uh, and I know you try to be as rational as possible. Is there at any extent do you think you know what if Shohei Otani says seven hundred million, let's just say eight hundred, let's say nine hundred. I mean, I know it's crazy, but given the you know the economics of that deal with all the deferred money, was there any thought like let's just go crazy here and see what happens, or is that something that is stupid and it's just me bringing it up on a stupid podcast that is just not possible? No, it's it, it it's fair, but you know. I, the, the reality is these these free agencies, for the most part, are not run like, you know, eBay auctions where, you know, the price is going up and up and you have to, hey, it's at a, 100. Let's let's throw in a bid at 200 and um, and blow everybody away. I know it's, it sounds easy to sort of throw out that hypothetical, but, you know, a lot of times agents are in in close discussion with their players and. Um, it's it's often a case where the player says, hey, I want to go to this team, but I want to get the best deal, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they have a notion of, of what the number is. And once they get to that number, they start narrowing the field. You know, now there are players who tell their agents, I want every last dollar. And, um, um, you know, uh, who wherever whoever it is, wherever I have to go, I want every last dollar out of the process. And, you know, more power to them. I, I, I'm not making any judgments on how free agents, you know, decide how to prioritize things between money and location. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in many of these cases uh, over the last few years, we really haven't had the option or been given the opportunity to come over the top. It hasn't been a bidding war at the end of the day. A lot of times with these free agency situations 
there's bidding, there's bidding. And then, you know, the agent will tell you at some point, hey, it's, you know, we are where we are. We know where the deals are. And there's nothing more you can do. And now it's just in the player's hand. And that's that's often how it goes. I think you probably were the top number for Judge. Is, is that right? I think probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I in all of these cases, I, you know, it should not be, you know, I, I've seen people throw around that Andrew quote, which, you know, he made when I was when I was there and we we had that experience, um, you know, in, in, in a lot of the cases in the last couple of years, it just wasn't wasn't a financial, um, you know, we weren't trying to overcome some financial gap relative to the market. We were right there or even above where where players wound up going. But, um, you know, ultimately it was the player's prerogative. Uh, seeing Yamamoto and Shohei have these big press conferences with Dodgers. I, again, I know having talked to Billy, you know, GMs and executives do not want to talk about the other team's big splashy signings, but seeing them go to that team, a team you've had experience with, um, can't be real pleasant. Do you do you find yourself like ah, a, a little bit, or are you just like okay, we got to go on to the next thing? Yeah, I mean it's funny. I, I I saw the Kipe quote where he said, you know, they haven't played a game and I'm sick of them already. So, <laughs> I I enjoyed that. But from a competitive standpoint, I just don't think you can ever back down. Like I, it's interesting. There's a lot of people. Ah, this is over a billion dollars, and this is bad for baseball, and you know, this is bad for the competitive balance. Look, I, as as disappointed as we are that we didn't get those two guys, if they would have taken our billion dollars, we would have done those two deals too. So, you know, we're in no position to sort of complain about the unfairness or or a big market team, you know, pushing dollars around. Uh, I tip my cap to them. They were able to get these two guys that there are a lot of teams around the league um, that were pursuing and uh, including us. So, uh, you know, it, again, there's a lot of off season left and, you know, we respect the competition. We're not going to back down from the competition. And, you know, it serves as a motivator. I mean, I again, I think this is harder for from a fan standpoint where you get sort of excited about a player and you're reading every day about how, you know, we, we met with a player or we're, we're one of the three finalists or whatever. I mean, a lot of that stuff is, frankly, like totally made up than more than ever. I mean, there's people on social media who have – absolutely no sources in the organization who are just completely making stuff up. But, um, you know, for me, you know, when a player chooses to go somewhere else, again, not in a vindictive way, but I'm like, they, they didn't choose to play here. They didn't want to be giants. And, um, you know, it's, it's not my, my life mission now to, you know, uh, make sure we beat them on the field, but, you know, I can turn the page easily and say, if they didn't want to be here, we got to just move on to the next thing. And, um, you know, but I, I think it's harder for fans because these pursuits last so long and, and these connections are made and, you know, you, you start fantasizing or daydreaming about having a guy in your uniform and it just makes it tougher to turn the page. I want to go back. I mean, Otani mentioned winning so much and, you know, who knows every detail of what a player's motivation is. But, you know, Giants have not been the playoffs in two years and Dodgers are, you know, I can't even think of how many straight years the Dodgers have been in the playoffs. You, you pretty much know if you go to the Dodgers, you go to the playoffs. At some point, obviously, this was a super winning situation in 2021. Do you regret not being more aggressive that offseason to try to take advantage of that and, you know, maybe re-sign Kevin Gossman or go after a Marcus Simeon? I mean, I know it's it's 2020 hindsight. 
It's very easy for me yeah. to say, but was that a bit of a lost opportunity to try to keep this going? You know, and so then you have three years of winning when Shohei Otani is a free agent. That that sort of idea. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Yeah, I think it's totally fair. I mean, it was, a, you know, after 2021, you know, we were looking at, you know, sort of two of the, you know, most difficult years we'd had financially probably in the last you know, 20, 30 years of the organization. I mean, you know, the COVID year, obviously, teams, um, you know, were really operating in the red. Um, you know, even in 2021, it's, it's, it's easy to forget now, but we started off early in the season with pretty limited attendance and um you know for us in the bay area we were probably one of the teams that was slowest to to build build our fan base back up so you know we were still operating in a in a in a time of financial uncertainty and so it's easy to look back now and and see where the world is now and and view it as sort of a, a you know as maybe a buying opportunity um but you know two things happen one is the financial uncertainty coming off a couple of really difficult years and, you know, some uncertainty about what our sustainable payroll level would be coming out of that. And then the other is, you know, uh, you look at, um, uh, you know, guys like Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and, um, you know, even at first base, you had Matt Olson traded and Freddie Freeman um, as a free agent. I mean, those were positions where, you know, we had Belton Crawford, who are like two legends here who had unbelievable years in 2021. So, um, you know, in hindsight, you know, was that, you know, a time we should have, um, you know, made made some changes and, and turned the page? I mean, it, it's hard for me to go back and, and knowing how great those guys were to say we should have done anything different. I mean, you know, beyond how great they were on the field, there's this huge connection between the fan base and you know, the guys who were part of the world championship teams and they bring a lot, they brought a lot to this organization on and off the field. But, um, you know, when you look back on it, sort of the, you know, I mean, the last couple of years haven't gone, um, you know, the way we would have liked and, and been a continuation of that. 
you know, I will say when I look at where we are right now, you know, it's, it's really of the last 15, 16 games of the season that are, are shaping the whole narrative. I mean, we really, we were in a playoff spot with two, two and a half weeks left to go in the season um, and played really poorly down the stretch and um, with, with, with what was not really a difficult schedule. And so that's a really tough thing. Um, you know, that's a tough pill to swallow. But as we met with free agents, we made that point. Like, hey, we were in a playoff spot for most of last year. Uh, we're going to be better next year. Those are our expectations. And by the way, any one player, certainly any one impact player, could have been the difference in us finishing last season strong versus coming up short the way we did. Uh, you mentioned trades. I mean, imagine your top of your prospect list is what teams are asking you about. Uh, Kyle Harris and Marco Luciano, you mentioned, I'm sure they're, I mean, Patrick Bailey, I assume he's not getting traded, but I mean, at this point, is that what it would take is moving a top prospect and, and what's your untouchable list? Do you, do you have such a thing? And, you know, would Kyle Harrison essentially be untouchable right now? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I can't imagine any plausible scenario where we would move Kyle. I mean, he's, um, you know, everything that we're, he kind of embodies what we're, hoping to be the next few years. He's, um, you know, a local guy. He's a home, homegrown talent, drafted and developed in our organization, has gotten to the big leagues, is a great kid, is a great competitor, you know, has all-star Cy Young potential in our mind, works really hard. Um, and, uh, you know, again, those are the kinds of guys you want to build around. So um, I, I think any team in the situation we're in where we're looking to compete, where we're looking to get better in 2024. Um, you know, when you start looking at your prospects who are either a year or two away or maybe blocked to some degree in the big leagues, um, you know, those are probably the guys that um, even though you have to swallow hard, you're most willing to trade. You know, your young players who not only have a clear path to the big leagues, but actually are on the roster and are, are, are um, you know, are in prominent and important roles on the roster, like someone like Kyle, you know, feels a little bit like robbing Peter to pay Paul if you trade someone like that. So, um, so that's, that's kind of in a nutshell. I mean, certainly we recognize that if we go the trade route with some of the names that are rumored out there, you know, it's, it's going to be painful in terms of giving up young talent. But again, as long as we feel like the major league roster is getting better, that's something we have to consider. Were there any conversations with Padres about Juan Soto? I mean, interdivision, I know all that stuff. Uh, but would you have been interested in getting into that? And were you in that one at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to AJ. I mean, I've um, um, known AJ Preller for a long time. And, and we talk a lot, even though it doesn't, you know, wind up manifesting in, in, in a lot of deals. But, um, you know, I, I, those those intradivision trades are challenging, you know, not just for the team trading the star, but frankly, for the team trading the young talent, like, you know, you're thinking, do we really want to be playing against these guys that we developed and got to the cusp of the big leagues for the, for the next five to 10 years? And we never, that never materialized into, you know, formal offers going back and forth. You know, I let AJ know, obviously we were interested if there was something that made sense. And, and then they seemed to get down the road with the Yankees pretty quickly. And we both acknowledged when we talked that it, that it was sort of a challenging one. Um, to figure out in division that kind of player you know a, a guy's going to be a free agent at the end of the season may not sign an extension with anybody is that a market you guys are pretty comfortable there's a, some prominent names in on that list who people think are going to get traded are, are you involved with with that top of that market 
Yeah, we would certainly um, consider anything again. I mean, in the in the name of improving our chances in 24, which we're very focused on. Um, and again, we, we have the financial resources to extend players. And again, given how happy our players are playing in San Francisco, playing for the Giants organization, you know, even if we don't have an extension ready to go right after the trade, we're confident that players, when they play here, will want to stay. So um, very open to it. I mean, again, it gets challenging because you do have some risk that it's a one and done situation. Uh, but um, no, we're we're we would be prepared to make a deal, you know, for a player with a, a year left if it made sense. Kind of far, you you got the three year extension, the sign for four more years, and you got Bob Melvin in place. I'm just wondering, as last season ended, as you said, it was only like the last fifteen games. Were you feeling like you know I'm not sure about my status? Were you feeling comfortable about the big picture? Did it take a conversation with Greg Johnson or Larry Bear? To, to kind of feel, you know, that this was solidified? Where were you, you know, back then? And and where is it pointed now? Do you, do you feel like like this is totally solid going into the future? I assume you signed a three-year extension. You must feel pretty good about that and you have your manager. Just can you describe what those final, like the last few months have been in terms of yourself and in terms of the way that where the team is going? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, this is a personal question. So, I'll give a personal answer at the risk of getting too personal. I mean, I really try to keep some perspective on, um, you know, how lucky I am to be in this role and, you know, the responsibilities that go along with it. Um, you know, I'm, you know, the son of immigrants who, you know, came to North America and, uh, you know, my dad went to college in London with the proverbial, you know, 10 bucks to his name in his pocket, you know, by himself. Um, you know, my parents had an arranged marriage and, uh, you know, my mom came over with my dad when she was just 20 years old. Um, you know, and I look at, you know, the arc of their lives and all the challenges that they've had. And I had to be honest, like the the, the most difficult thing about um, you know, some of what you described, which is very real. And again, I try to keep perspective on it, but it's not easy is, you know, seeing my parents worried or upset about mm -hmm. me, knowing everything they've gone through in their lives. It's like, it actually brings me a lot of shame, you know, that, you know, my parents are, you know, at their, their stage in life and they're still reading this stuff and worried about me when they should be way past being worried about me. So, um, you know, I, I, I love this job. I love this organization, um, you know, and uh, I'm really hard on myself. I mean, I'm a competitor. I, I want to be successful, not just or, or even, you know, for myself, but for everybody in this organization, everybody in San Francisco. And, you know, the outside noise, it, 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 like I can't feel any worse than I already feel when things aren't going well and we're not succeeding. So, you know, I would say a lot of that um, sentiment comes internally that I have to manage. And, um, you know, again, I, I guess it comes with the territory. I mean, this is the world we're living in. This is a high stakes industry. And, um, um, you know, when you don't produce results, there are consequences and it's more public uh, than it ever has been before. So, 
Um, I guess that's a long way of saying, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, it certainly impacts you, but uh, you know, when you, when your motivation is just succeeding for, for, for the people around you, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to drown out the noise and try to focus on what's important. Were you a little surprised when Greg Johnson came to you and said, let's get, get you an extension or, you know, was it, yeah, hey, that's I, great. It, it was appreciated. I mean, we'd had conversations really throughout the year, so it didn't kind of come out of nowhere. Um, you know, I, I have a really good working relationship with him, you know, and, and Larry and Rob Dean. So, um, you know, even though this is ultimately a results industry, I think they have a lot of faith in the work we're doing behind the scenes and the processes we have. And again, I, I think I, I said it, you know, my end of the year presser, you know, I don't view the extension or kind of continuing this role as an endorsement or a sign of satisfaction with what's happened the last couple of years. I'm disappointed by it and they're disappointed by it, but you know, um, I'm certainly grateful that, uh, you know, they feel like I can get us to where we want to be. And, and I'm, you know, I'm very motivated by that. Uh, Craig Johnson's comment raised a lot of attention at the, at the Bob Presser when he says, what uh, the hope is to be somewhat break even, which I understood. And I was not critical. I want to make that clear. I want, I want to talk to Greg yeah. in a few weeks is like, this team has paid a lot of money, has been involved with the top free agents, did you know, sign a contract or had a deal with, with Carlos Correa for three hundred over $300 million. That's the proof of it. Um, this team will spend, it won't spend crazily, but will spend. But when you hear that and when you hear the criticism, what's your response to that? Is it, is it the same as what I'm saying? Or do you have another response to like, I mean, look at the payroll, look, look at who we try to sign. That's your answer. Yeah. I mean, I talk a lot about organizational support with the major league payroll. And, um, again, I think, uh, you know, the fact that we're involved in all these pursuits and again, even the players that we signed, even the $200 million that we spent last off season, I think is an indication of that, you know, in terms of his broader comments, I think, you know, we're not just a baseball team that has a, you know, player payroll. We're an organization that employs a lot of people. And, um, you know, when I think about our organizational health, I'm not just thinking about our player payroll, although that's, you know, obviously the fan facing element of our finances that gets the most attention is most important. But I think about, you know, our employees, I think about not laying people off, think about, you know, providing benefits and resources to the people who work here, which we do a wonderful job of. Think about investing in our facilities, you know, our new minor league uh, complex at, at Papago in Arizona has, um, you know, really been a boon to our, our minor league development. And, you know, so when, when I hear our owner talk about economic sustainability, it's not just about the major league payroll. It's about all those things that I think are important for a well-functioning organization. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very much in support of it. I understand the reaction. Um, and I, I think Greg's kind of broader point was, you know, we, we you know, as an ownership group, you know, we're going to support aggressive pursuits of, of, of these free agents as we've done. But, you know, we're also looking for an overall um, model of, of economic sustainability. And that's not just for our, our fans and our players, but also for the people who work in this organization. So um, I'm completely on the same page with him on that. Yeah, I mean, a focused spending that leads to winning pays for itself, right? I mean, right. got to lead, lead to winning, right? But 
signing Shohei Itani, let's just put it this way. I don't think the Dodgers are going to lose a lot of money on, on, <laughs> on that deal. But however it's structured, right? However it's structured. Yep, you know, you, absolutely. You, if you get 200,000 more people in the stadium, we can do the math on that. And believe me, I, I do do the math on that in my head. And, <laughs> uh, and right. it's all understandable. But, uh, yeah, I, I again, I'll, I want to talk to Greg about this. I think I'm going to. But uh, I, I'm not. Yeah, I, I just don't think fans should go crazy over that. The owners do think that way, but there's also the the facts of what's being spent and what's being paid. And I assume what you might be doing in the future here. Uh, any, right. uh, I know you love this. Anything imminent, Farhan? You're gonna you're gonna announce something real soon. I know you love to do on a <laughs> podcast. You're gonna just lay out the details, or is it some things are just kind of on the burner now and maybe? Yeah. Well, I'm not. Road. Yeah, I'm not about to uh, you know uh, click send on a press release over here, <laughs> but. Um, you know, uh, we've got some stuff percolating. I don't, I don't know if something's going to happen this week, but um, again, I, I think, again, sort of this first half of January coming out of the holidays, expect it to be a busy time. And you know, we're only sort of, two, we've only been sort of back really at work the last couple of days, and so I, I certainly think it's going to pick up in the next ten days. Scott Boris on the line. <laughs> He's got a <laughs> lot of guys out there. Yeah. No, I, I did. Um, I did call him on, on New Year's Eve for whatever that's worth and just mm-hmm. said, you know, I know there's nothing more you'd like to do on New Year's Eve than be on the <laughs> phone with me, which he had a laugh at. So, uh, yeah, those conversations are still happening. And he was Jung Hoo Lee. That's what I point out. He is, uh, he's, he's a guy who does business. All right, Farhan, I'll end this with a version of a question I ask everybody. And I'm really glad to bring this back to the original question of this podcast, which I kind of abandoned during the you know, during the COVID the pandemic, because people weren't going to restaurants, but I do love to hear these answers. I know, I think I've asked this, this, this before. You've come up with good answers, good recommendations. Farhouse ID, what's your favorite restaurant right now? Well, I'll say, you know, again, we've got the four-year-old at home, so I can't say we um, do uh, a lot of dining out, but we had our anniversary recently, and we went to uh, Akari Japanese Bistro, A-K-A-R-I, mm-hmm. it's close to the ballpark. And um, it's actually a, a favorite of uh, Japanese players around baseball. A lot of times mm-hmm. players come in and uh, they close the restaurant down and, and have a private seating. So Akari, A-K-A-R-I, Japanese Bistro. We had a great anniversary lunch there a couple weeks ago, and people should definitely check it out. I think it's one of the best Japanese restaurants in the city. God, I don't even know. I mean, I know the area pretty well. I, I'm going to have to look that one up. What was the uh, Farhan order there? What did you have? Well, they have a, a, a bento box, which mm-hmm. um, we we may or may not have included in some of our recent meetings <laughs> with uh, Japanese players of renown. Um you know, it was a big hit. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they have a, a couple of different bento box options. I would highly recommend one of those. Just a great, well-balanced meal, a lot of great different tastes and flavors in there. And uh, I think people will really enjoy it if you're into Japanese food. Bento box, you are speaking right to my soul with that one, Farhan. <laughs> bento, oh, my God. The little salad, the, little, the yeah. whole thing. A little yeah, piece don't forget the second tray. It's funny, actually, uh, at one of those meetings, uh, you know, we had the bento boxes laid out. And, you know, we're kind of winding down the meal. And then somebody picked, picked the, the, the top tray up and was like, oh, there's a whole other tray of food in here. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't, no, I, they really do it well there. 
that's a deluxe version that I do not know. So I'm, I'm, I might <laughs> yeah. have to, uh, maybe there's been a second tray underneath there this whole time. I didn't know. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what they do. So don't secrets, forget to look under there. Secrets of the Giants <laughs> negotiations. I love to see. Just, just, just tell me that was Otani who picked up that trade. That's all I, I want to know. All yeah, right, it may or may not have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Listen, I appreciate the time. I'm always glad to do these. Glad we could get this done. Uh, thank you so much. All right. Thanks a lot, Tim. All right, everybody. That's the show for today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.